this is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong? Rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong? Good afternoon, America. You've tuned into What If We've Been Wrong? And my name is Terry Beatley. I'm your host, and I'm shining light in dark places and hoping to make your day brighter. I am absolutely thrilled to now be plugged into the 1 p.m. hour on America Out Loud. I'm sandwiched in between two fantastic shows. The noontime show is Life, Liberty, the Pursuit of Pleasure, which I used to be a host on about a year, year and a half ago. Had a fantastic time with Malcolm, and usually we had one or two other women on the show uh, from all around the world, and we were talking about contemporary issues. Many times we were on different sides of the issue, and it was just a a great, great show to be on. And then the 2 o'clock show is called The Trump Chronicle, and that's with Ray Brookstein, and he's rocking it. So, hey, what I like to say is either uh, set yourself up for a 1 p.m. lunch with me or stay tuned in from 12 to 3 for this fantastic block of three hours, Monday through Friday, because we are bringing you content that you're not getting any other place, uh, anywhere, Uh, TV, AM, FM, radio, Sirius, it doesn't matter. This is it. So stay tuned in. You've got a special three-hour block of time, Monday through Friday. Well, what I like doing is I like um, taking a second look at things, asking questions, seeking the truth, and then sharing that truth with others so that hopefully that truth will help other people. So today, what I'm going to be doing is sharing my family's crazy eight-year journey from being poisoned by something that many, many people are being exposed to and they just don't know it yet, and how it crashed our good health, causing a laundry list. And when I say laundry list, folks, I'm talking about a laundry list of ailments. And this has gone on for eight years, and starting about a year, year and a half ago, we finally began to get the answers And then we started this odyssey toward healing and recovering our health. And and I just, I want to be able to share this information because everybody should have life abundant. We shouldn't be shackled down with all these ailments. And I'm just, I'm amazed when I write down all this information, sort of like an outline that we have been through eight years. And sometimes what I say is I feel like we've been to hell and back again. But why did God allow this to happen? Well, I can honestly say now, I believe he allowed it to happen. And in, in, in when you hear this, it's like so many, it's a, it's a laundry list. It's a laundry list of ailments. He's allowed it to happen so that my family can help. I hope it's thousands, tens of thousands, if not millions of people. And you will better understand why. So, 
Uh, now, I do hope I can share my story without crying. You might hear me choke up, uh, but my, my heart bears this burden. I sincerely pray that no child will ever, ever have to go through what my 12-year-old uh, began going through eight years ago. Uh, but praise Jesus, she is healing. Uh, she will thrive. She's going to have an absolutely full, beautiful life. And I believe, like I said, our story is going to help many other people. So let me begin. It started, we moved to a different house in the summer of 2010. And that is where our health decline began. And it started like this. I'm going to first explain me because uh, I, I, I can pretty much be summed up in two words. I suddenly developed off the charts rheumatoid arthritis by the end of, by October, 2011. Okay. By my, I woke up one morning and my pointer finger on my right hand was locked, you know, kind of locked down that the, one of the knuckles and I had to literally like pop it the next morning. The same thing happened in my other hand. So I now had two hands doing it. And a few days later, uh, uh, both of my hands, all 10 fingers, um, the, the joints were doing the same thing. And I thought, this is crazy. And then within a short period of time, it had hit my jaw. I couldn't even open up my mouth wide enough to bite a sandwich. It hit my knees. Then my feet began to swell and elbows. And anyway, it was just crazy. I put off going to the doctor because I hate going to the doctor because usually they don't have the solution. They just have a, a mask, meaning a big pharmaceutical prescription. But things got so bad that I think it was by January 2012, I finally went to the doctor and he said that if I had not come in, I would most likely have been in a wheelchair within six months. Um, I had ringing in my ears and I was so tired. I could just take the kids to school and then I would come back and I would crawl back in bed. Now, my daughter though is the long story because she didn't have just one thing that they could smack a label on when they, meaning the doctors, it was a list. And this is how, this is how it rolled out. It first started with, um, she suddenly developed an achy knee and we put an ice bag on it. And I said, what'd you do to your knee? And she said, nothing. She couldn't think of anything. Uh, and I remember it was around Thanksgiving time. And, uh, let's see. So she put an ice pack on it and all of a sudden within a couple minutes, she lit up like a firecracker with, um, uh, hives running up her thigh, running down her shin. And from that moment on, she had developed a skin allergy to the cold. So anytime she'd go outside in her ears, her cheeks, her hand, anything would touch the cold. Within a few minutes, she was flared up in this red, hot, like basically like a hive reaction. Later on, that developed into a heat allergy. And when she would overheat, you know, playing basketball, softball, or what have you, she would then flare up again. So it went from an allergy to the cold to an allergy to the heat. So that's number one. Then she's, her main sport is softball. And so it was one afternoon, she, her daddy took her to the, um, she was on a travel softball team and they were on that she does not recall anything happening on the field but on the way home she had screeching pain 
in her back. I mean, it hurt her so badly. He thought she was having a kidney stone. So this began with this uh, traveling pain in her back. I think it it started in the lower uh, right-hand side of her back. But then this achiness sort of crawled up her back. And then I remember she said it began in her shoulders. And then the next thing we know, she now is complaining of elbow pain. And the elbow pain is shooting down to her hand every time the sixth grader and seventh grader begins to write. She now has pain. Just in case I forget to tell you, by the time she got to, I think it was 11th grade, she had taught herself to be a left-handed writer as well as a left-handed hitter in softball. And she led her team to the 2017 Virginia State Championship for their bracket. I just got to plug that in there. Let's see. So the other thing is, so from lower back pain to elbow pain, also beginning really at 12 years old, that the first year at that house, uh, she she would have a hard time falling asleep. To me, that didn't make any sense because she was a very active child, always involved in some sport. You know, so I would think, how come she can't fall asleep at nighttime? You know, she's got a packed, busy day at school and then all the sports, but she would lie in bed you know, for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, just wide awake. Well, she would ask me if I would just squeeze her forearm and just squeeze it. So I'd squeeze it real tight, her forearm from her elbow, you know, like down to her, to her wrist. And I could tell it just made her feel so much better. And of course, back then I didn't know why, but there are these neurological reasons why that felt so good to her. And then of course, if I did on one arm, she'd want me to do it on the other arm. Then by the time she was 14, her muscles were so tight. She had uh, knots, like knots in her muscles. We could count anywhere from six to probably eight or nine, running anywhere, you know, up and down her back, uh, to her butt, to um, her shoulders. And so we, so I got her uh, connected with a, um, oh, like a exercise kinesiologist. And, you know, they would have her doing all sorts of things, rolling on tennis balls to try to bust up that knot, and nothing seemed to help. So this began this multiple-year journey of trying to figure out what's making her muscles so tight. I mean, she got to a point where, you know, like young ladies, if you're wearing a dress, you cross your legs. Well, she couldn't cross her legs. Her hip flexors were so tight that by the time she hit 15 and a half years old, Uh, when it's time to get your driver's permit, you know, the learner's permit, she was so tight, she could hardly lift her right foot off the gas to press on the pedal. It was so difficult, so just so tight for her to lift up her leg. Um, Now, like I said, she was an avid athlete. Well, when you're an athlete, you need to be limber, right? You know, you need to have lots of flexibility. Well, she was so tight that she was constantly pulling muscles, constantly. And then I remember one summer, you know, she went out for the volleyball team and the first day at the tryout when she, you know, bent down to scoop up the ball, you know, she pulled a muscle in her, in her thigh. So at, at about 14, 14 and a half, we ended up taking her to a pediatric neurology specialist at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Now, we were made to feel, oh, well, you know, that doctor has a very busy schedule and uh, they're going to squeeze us in. So basically, we were made to feel like, you know, we're being, you know, specially treated here. And I will never forget this. We, we must have sent in some labs because when the doctor walked in the door, 
He said, well, I have good news and I have bad news. And he said, which one do you want first? And I said, well, give me the good news. He said, the good news is uh, we do not think she has multiple sclerosis or muscular dystrophy. And I said, well, that's really good. And then he said, uh, he said, but the bad news is we don't know what she has. And he said, you know, when people have all these kind of symptoms, you know, tight muscles and knots in their back and shoulders, we put it in a basket called fibromyalgia. And I thought, well, I don't know anything about fibromyalgia. And he said, uh, he said, he said, but he said, I'm going to fill out this prescription here. And he said, you know, we have, uh, we find that people who go on to an antidepressant uh, have a tendency for the symptoms to be alleviated. And I thought, this is absolutely insane. And I said, Doc, she's not depressed. I'm, I, you know, I said, this situation is depressing, but she's not clinically depressed. And uh, that, that's the only, quote, solution he had for us. The only. And when I remember when I got back out to the car... I ripped up that prescription for an antidepressant for my 14-year-old. And I just, I ripped it up and I looked at her and I said, we're not doing that. I felt like a mother bear. I said, I'm going to stay on this path. We're going to figure out, you know, what is wrong, what caused this, and we're going to get you healed. I said, I don't know how, I don't know when, and little did I know, it would take another four years before we would begin to get the answers all right, so, but that's not the, those aren't the only symptoms. Uh, there are more symptoms. She began to have, uh, let's see, uh, the uh, neck, neck, t uh, well, her neck began to ache. By 10th grade, she had grown where her neck was sort of jutting out. And, you know, she was not erect. Um, all I can say is her neck was sticking out. She said she felt like her head weighed like a bowling ball. And she had pain in her neck and her muscles on both sides, but particularly on one of the sides, the muscles in her neck running down to her shoulder were incredibly tight. We had, I tried adding this up, but between uh, chiropractic appointments, masseuse, uh, you know, massage appointments, and physical therapy appointments, it was well over a hundred appointments with all three of those for sure. I don't know, you know which one's which, but easily, uh, three different appointments, I mean, three different types of uh, treatment. And none of that would help. The physical therapist even told me, well, I guess she was just made this way. And of course, I'm, I'm scratching my head thinking, what do you mean she just made this way? This, make, this is not how God makes our, our bodies. We're not supposed to be made like this. And the masseuse, at one point, he said, I've only had to do this a few times. And this guy was a retired Marine, okay, in tip-top shape, bodybuilder. So you, you can imagine how strong that man was. And I recall him pulling out, actually, I wasn't there. My husband was there for this appointment. I feel like I was there based on how my husband described it. But he said he pulled out a wrench and he, and he wrenched down on her muscle I, I wish I knew the names of these muscles, but the main one that runs from your shoulder up, up your neck and he wrenched down on it, you know, with her permission. And he just pinched really hard in hopes that that muscle, I guess, just whatever neurologically would just relax. And my husband said, she just had tears just dripping down her face, you know, not boo-hooing, but just drip, drip, drip in the in silent, you know, torture 
but the muscle still would not relax. She actually also later on had acupuncture there. That did not help. So, so keep in mind, we've got a skin allergy of the cold going on. We've got back pain, elbow pain, shooting down to the hand, can't fall asleep, tight muscles, fibromyalgia, um, this, this, um, you know, now the muscle lockdown in her neck. Then the other thing, chronic constipation. And this got so bad that by the time she reached her senior year, I realized until I can get at least this figured out, you know, there's no way right now she could go off to college because, you know, this is a life and death situation. This isn't just even a tight muscle. We're talking about life or death here. And then, of course, over the years, sports injuries, you know, get, getting injured over and over. Twisting of the ankle, okay, which has to do with, you know, ligaments. Twisting of the ankle, uh, pulled muscles, and, of course, this constant elbow pain. That elbow pain, by the way, ended up in surgery, so she ended up having surgery, and the doctor, I still remember, I never believed him. I still don't believe him. You know, he he tried different things, and then it re- and then the only other thing he could offer was let's go in and look around. Maybe she has scar tissue. And after the surgery was over, you know, he said, well, he found a little bit of scar tissue and da-da-da, and things should get better. Well, they didn't. And quite frankly, I don't think he found anything. And I can explain why in just a little bit. So if you would please hang on with me, because this laundry list continues, and I will be right back. And stay with me, because you know what? We're going to be healing America. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, so I'm going to pick this up with my daughter. So she had this long list and now I'm up to the uh, neuropathy. So by the time she is a senior in high school, which is 2016, 2017, she had neuropathy in her hands. So when she would reach down into her backpack, and I didn't know this until probably the spring of 2017, she she didn't tell me because we were dealing with all these other ailments. I guess she just sort of ignored telling me this. But anyway, she would she her fingertips and the palm of her hands were basically numb. Some days it was worse than others, but it got to a point when she would reach down into her backpack, she couldn't even tell uh, which book she was touching or if it was a pen or a pencil, she was numb. And this followed, by the way, years of having cold hands and cold feet. And I now know the reason. And when I say cold hands and cold feet, when she would come home from school, many times she, I would hear her in the bathroom just washing off her feet. You know, because sometimes they're just like cold, clammy feet and warming up her hands. All right, and then lastly, and I may add a few more things here, but, but this is just what I know right off the top, is brain fog. By the time she reached her senior year, she began to complain of brain fog. And I said, what do you mean brain fog? And she just said, I feel like I'm here and my head is over there. (laughs) 
And, uh, and I really noticed at one time when she was out in the softball field. Now, I need to say, maybe I already said that in the first part, but my daughter is an off the charts. She's a fantastic athlete. Uh, she can, she can play nearly any sport. Uh, but her, her sport of choice is softball. And so I remember watching her. She was playing in the outfield, center field, and a ball was hit. And, and normally this girl can, I mean, she would be diving for balls and come up with that ball in her hand. And my husband and I were watching, and I could see the ball coming. It's like she's totally miscalculating this. And boom, it hit the ground. And I thought, what in the world is wrong? And she had, she told us afterwards that her brain fog was just so bad that day. So this is what we were dealing with. By the way, the doctors we went to, rheumatoid arthritis, pediatric uh, um, rheumatoid arthritis doctors, of course, general practitioners, allergists. We went to four orthopedic doctors, an endocrinologist, multiple different masseuses, uh, let's see, physical therapist, that was probably one, two, probably three different physical therapists and at least three different chiropractors. And I'm sure I'm missing, oh, we went to, I don't know what you call it, uh, well, well, pediatric neurology specialist at Johns Hopkins. And then also up there, we had a, oh, what do you call that thing? It's basically, uh, oh, a, it's, a, it's called a vascular ultrasound done on her, from her neck to her arm. And then later we went to, I don't even know what type of doctor that was, some other kind of neurologist. Yeah, it had to be a neurologist because she tested for nerve activity in her C5, C6 area of her neck. Let's see. Oh, by the way, about that neck. So by the time she was in, I think this was 11th grade, her neck pain was so bad that maybe this was 10th grade, but it really doesn't matter. 10th or 11th grade, we took her to an orthopedic doctor and that's where, when we found out that she had a bulging disc in her neck in the C5, C6 area. And I'll explain why on that as well. So I've just gone through all the symptoms, the different doctors we went through. So how did we begin getting answers? And it goes like this. Uh, I'm an author of a book, and, and I strongly urge you to please get this book. It's called What If We've Been Wrong? Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King. That's right. This is America's Abortion King who deeply, deeply regretted unleashing abortion onto America. And it's on it's on the bookstore. It's in the bookstore on America Out Loud. Okay, so get the book. All right, everybody, every American, every American family needs a copy of this book. But what happened is, the bookstore in, in a certain location in Virginia ran out of copies and they called me and they said, Hey, Terry, we need you know, another shipment of books. And I said, Hey, last time I was talking to you, you were reading the book. What did you think? And the store owner, um, a man, and he said, uh, he said, Oh, Terry, I'm still reading it. I'm a slow reader. He said, I've been sick with Lyme disease for 20 years and it affected my eyesight. Now, for those of you who may want to click this uh, this broadcast off because you're thinking, "Oh, I knew she was going to say Lyme disease." Well, you're right. It is. It, it, it. She ended up being diagnosed with Lyme, and I'm gonna get into that and what what that looks like under a microscope. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. That is not what caused all of the sickness. Okay, so hang in there with me. But, but that was the beginning of the journey because he says, look, 
I've been sick with Lyme for 20 years. The, the longer you're sick with Lyme, you stop making antibodies, you know, to fight it. And he said, the problem is when you send in the blood analysis to these, you know, these big lab companies, if, he, if he's correct on this, he explained it to me that the first thing they do is they dry out the blood. And he said, it's just not a very good, accurate way of studying that blood to see if you have the Lyme spirochete called Borrelia burgdorferi. So he said, look, he said, come down here. And he said, my friend has a microscope and, and she can, you know, prick, prick your daughter's finger, put a couple drops of blood on the microscope slide and study the live blood analysis. So that's what's called live blood analysis. And the first thing I thought of was Leviticus in the Old Testament. Life of the flesh is in the blood. Life of the flesh is in the blood. And I'm like, sure, sign me up. So I called the lady and we got an appointment. Let me tell you something. Within three minutes of my daughter having her finger pricked and that blood on that slide, we begin our health journey. Now, mind you, my daughter had already had three Lyme tests done but it had come back negative. It's th those tests, and I really need to pull those tests out, but the tests indicated that she might have been exposed to it or whatever, but it just wasn't enough. She didn't have enough markers on that lab result to indicate that she currently had Lyme. Three tests, uh, let me see, that was probably over a four-year period of time, okay? Let's see, actually maybe a little bit longer because I'm sure we had her tested for Lyme with the very first doctor, which, um, uh, well, the second doctor was a pediatric rheumatologist. And I know she tested her for Lyme because she tested her for lupus and she tested her for something else. But anyway, it all came back negative back then. Okay, so, so moving forward, this is what happened. We can see on the, so the, the microscope is hooked up to a TV monitor. So we can see everything the microscopist can see. Now, microscopists cannot diagnose. That's against the law. But what they can do with a textbook open, this is a ninth grade education, America. All you sick people out there, what I'm about to tell you, much of this is ninth grade biology. So she's got a very nice microscope. And when you've got live blood under there, she can look at it. And if you have the Borrelia burgdorferi spirochetes, they show up, okay? And what we saw free floating in her blood plasma were, were it's, and now she will call it a Lyme-like spirochete or a Lyme spirochete-like organism. She will not tell you that you have Lyme disease, but she will say this is a, you know, a Borrelia burgdorferi-like organism. And then you, the consumer, go connect the dots. Well, I'm not a stupid person. If I'm sitting there with a textbook and I'm looking at a corkscrew, you know, Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria, um, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to realize what your daughter has. When you've been sick with this long enough, that little Lyme spirochete rolls up into what's called a cyst. And basically it kind of has like an exoskeleton, which makes it nearly impossible for antibiotics to penetrate that, now I'm calling it an exoskeleton, that, that exomembrane, whatever you would call it. But, but, but that prevents the antibiotics from killing off that bacteria. We could also see the Lyme spirochete hanging out of some of the red blood cells. All right, then the other thing that I wanted to point out was some of my daughter's red blood cells were all stuck together. 
Okay? This is very, very important. Then she puts my daughter's blood slides aside, and then she pricks my finger. And we discover the same thing in me. Except my blood cells looked even worse because even more of them were stuck together. And this is called rouleau. R-O-U-L-E-A-U. It's a French word. And basically your red blood cells are all stuck together. And the reason is because you've, you've lost the negative charge. And when your red blood cells are stuck together, you cannot use the water, the oxygen, or eliminate the waste. So your body begins to build toxins, okay? And then she pricked my husband's finger and his blood was so thick with rouleau, I, it, all I can say is by the time it like coagulated on the slide and she put it, you know, she put it on the microscope, it almost looked like a worm. These red blood cells were, it almost looked like a column. They were so stuck together. And when somebody's like that, it's impossible you, you cannot eliminate the waste because your body just can't function. And I'll explain later on what that most likely led to for my husband. All right, so this thus begins the journey. At the 60-minute mark, the microscopist puts my daughter's blood back under the microscope because what happens is at the 60-minute mark, 60-minute mark, the red blood cells are dying. And this is going to, this is a sci-fi nightmare. Strap yourself in, but I want you to hold on because this is going to lead to teaching you about autoimmune, cancer, and a whole host of other things. What happens at the 60 minute mark is the bl blood cells are dying and there is a, the, you know, the Lyme spirochete, the Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria crawling out of almost every red blood cell on that slide. I thought I was going to pass out. It was shocking because that the, uh, the spirochete, the bacteria is looking for a new host. Okay, so, but the story gets better, okay? Happy, it has a very happy ending, okay? Uh, so we're like, oh my gosh, this is so severe because I'm, I'm at that point. You got to understand at that point, I'm thinking every single one of those symptoms that I shared in part one and the beginning of this part, part two, I'm assuming it's all coming from Lyme. So we try to find a Lyme specialist doctor. Most doctors have very, very little understanding of Lyme. And they most definitely, uh, even if they think they have an understanding of Lyme, most doctors do not know what is making Lyme um, even more, um, I guess you'd say aggressive. And I'll be covering that. So the so we find a doctor down in Florida. I got referred to a doctor down there and and I am very very thankful. I'm so thankful for the doctor, for the clinic because it was this the next leg on the journey. So uh so my, the first part of the health journey was as a mom, I prayed over and over and over from my daughter being 12 years old to the beginning of getting answers at, at really it was well 17 and a half just praying over and over God help us T show us what's wrong tell us what's wrong so we can go begin getting the answers and then uh, then after we find out well at least it's Lyme you know where should we go so we found the specialist for Lyme down in Florida and but before we went down there we had to do about $3,500 of labs 
And one, and so by the time we get down there, he has all the results and we sit down and he said, look, here's, let me tell you everything that the labs, and I won't have enough time to go over this, but he said, yes, your daughter obviously has Lyme, but what comes along with Lyme are co-infections and the co-infection, uh, the co-infections, at least two of them were Bartonella and Babesia, but that's not the only thing. She was loaded with chemicals. That's right, you heard it right, chemicals. And then the other big thing, which was the culprit. This is what crashes the immune system, which then allows all the bad stuff to run rampant, including parasites. Okay, that was the other thing, parasites. Is my daughter was loaded with mold. Mold. And then as soon as I found this out, because we got to keep in mind, I went, we went down to Florida thinking we're going to have her there for six weeks, maybe eight weeks, get her cleaned up from Lyme and off to college she would go uh, to, the, uh, to the other side of Florida. And that is not the journey. We ended up at that clinic for one year with my daughter hooked up to an IV with a port in her chest five days a week multiple hours every day for one year. This was the first time a doctor had looked at my daughter in a holistic way. Instead of just looking at her, well, like an orthopedic doctor, well, no broken bone, sorry, can't, can't help you. Uh, or an allergist, well, and there is a name for a skin allergy to the cold, but they don't look at it in a macro way. It just seems like very few doctors are asking why. Why would this happen to a healthy 12-year-old? All right, so I know you mothers out there and some of you dads, you're tracking with me right now. I bet you're thinking, oh my gosh, that ha that's happened to my niece, my nephew, or my friend's son or daughter. And this is resonating. So I'm going to ask you to please Stay tuned in, stay tuned into the third segment because I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the answers and then the healing part. And, and I'm probably going to do another show as well because uh, there's so much information. There are people that I'm going to be interviewing that know far more than me. I'll be right back. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Recognized as a groundbreaking news and lifestyle platform, 
An alternative news source requires top-tier analysts, strategic thinkers, and impressive commentators. I'd like you to meet Ilana Friedman. She's a strategic counterterrorism intelligence analyst, a columnist, and commentator on America Out Loud. Ilana, when it comes to intelligence gathering and the NSA, the idea of spying on Americans stateside, have they crossed the line? They crossed the line a long time ago. Unfortunately, they have taken so many liberties that I would say that they have probably, it's not clear, but they have probably broken a number of laws in collecting information and intelligence from American citizens and uh, using it against them. How can America Out Loud bridge the gap and bring back trust to the people we serve? Malcolm, you are already doing a great job in providing your listeners with informed and diverse opinions on very, very important topics that give your listeners the opportunity to inform themselves and make their own minds up about how they feel about important issues and then bring them back to their own communities where they can act accordingly. Our goal is simple. It's to deliver an honest analysis and diverse opinions to keep you informed. Back at AmericaOutloud.com international news, world events, or an improved lifestyle. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, you're back with Terry Beatley. What if we've been wrong? So right now, what I want to do is talk to you about the mold. What does this mean? My daughter was infected with mold. Well, one of the first molds I think uh, that's important to know about is aflatoxin. Uh, this was one that she ranked very high in as well as ocratoxin. So the, um, the, the aflatoxin that's a mycotoxin that comes from uh, the mold aspergillus. Uh, let's see, aspergillus, it can cause abdominal pain, hemorrhaging, um, coma, liver damage, cancer, mental impairment, headache, gastrointestinal dysfunction, often extreme. So remember I said she went for years with chronic constipation. And I would most definitely describe this as extreme. And so we now began getting the answers. Okay, the other mold, okratoxin. Okratoxin, that's uh, nephrotoxic, immunotoxic, and a carcinogenic. It's a mycotoxin. Now, sometimes it's produced from contaminated foods and cereals, but that is not where we got it, most likely. Most likely we got it from the other big thing, inhalation exposure, breathing it in, in water-damaged buildings. That was the house we lived in for four years. Let's see, ochratoxin, that can lead to kidney disease, uh, neurological effects. Remember, I, I shared the numbing of her hands, her fingertips and all. And this would be most likely one of those molds that when breathed in over a long period of times, if you're not able to get detox from it, it can basically it can sit on the myelin sheath. You know, I'm pretty sure that's one of the molds and it melts the myelin sheath. But the symptom, the disease would be called multiple sclerosis. All right. So are you tracking with me? Uh, we know that many, many people and many, many young people 
are being diagnosed, like women in their early 30s or late 20s with multiple sclerosis, they should all go get the this urine test done that looks for the mycotoxins. And the, the company that we use was Great Plains Laboratory. They're based out in Kansas. We're getting infected by molds. Mold can be anywhere where there has been, you know, da- uh, water damage, sheetrock, uh, mold growing underneath houses. You know, one of the little kids I met at the clinic, she was born n- normal. She advanced to three years old, normal. And from three to six years old, she progressively declined in health and she became full-blown, nonverbal, autistic. This little girl was tested uh, in every conceivable place you can think of. Even the, uh, the, I think the NIH took this child in as one of the like top 50 cases of you know undiagnosed mysteries, and they could not figure it out. But when she got down to this clinic and these simple lab tests were run on chemicals and molds, this little girl was off the charts in numerous different molds, and she was off the chart in chemicals. So now let's talk chemicals. What we have here is an epidemic of people being infected, and then they're not properly detoxing from molds and chemicals. Of course, we're all familiar with Roundup, you know, glyphosate. Well, that's one of the tests we had done. And the one that I happen to be looking at on my daughter, she ranked in, let's see, she ranked at 1.02 on a range of 0 to 2.5. So if you're 2.5, you rank in the 95th percentile. My daughter on this one came in at 1.02. Uh, we do know that, you know, a lot of, if, you know, buy organic and even then you're still not guaranteed that it's officially organic, but do your best to eat organic food. Okay. That's one of the big things. These store-bought cereals, all the ones that you fill your cabinets with for, uh, you know, little kids, you know, forward. Remember how we put Cheerios in a little baggie and that's like one of the first hard foods you give your kids. Uh, not good. Go start doing your research on what is actually in Cheerios. All right, I don't have enough time to get into that one. That's probably a whole nother show. Okay, so the chemical tests, let's take a look at those. What kind of chemicals are we talking about? Well, one of them, the, the very number one chemical on this test, it's called, well, the, the acronym for it is MTBE. Uh, that's a gasoline additive, additive used to improve octane ratings. Uh, let's see, she had this test done numerous different times. There were times she was in the 30% percentile, I mean, 30 percentile, and then the 95th percentile. And there was one time when she was off the charts. And so you're going to have to just say, where in the world is she being exposed to gasoline additives? When then I had my uh, urine tested as well, I was the same way. So was somebody else in my family. We do not know. We had the well water tested. No gasoline additive is showing up there. That one is still a mystery. Then, you know, she, she was tested for styrene, you know, like styrofoam cups. Please do not drink hot coffee in a styrofoam cup because guess what? It, you're, you're ingesting the styrene, okay? That's a very deadly, it, here it is. Styrene is used in the manufacturing of plastics and building materials, and it's found in car exhaust fumes, And let's see, the ability of styrene 
to leach from polystyrene packaging to food has been reported. Occupational exposure due to inhalation of large amounts of styrene adversely impacts the central nervous system, causing concentration problems, muscle weakness, fatigue, and it goes on and on and on. But let's just pick away at some of these other chemicals. Uh, Benzene showed up. Uh, Let's see, benzene is an organic solvent and it's widespread in our environment. Let's see, it can make you feel um, dizzy, lack of coordination, uh, depression. Uh, It's a mutagenic and it's a carcinogenic. So my point is this, this report has about 16 chemicals on it. They're all really, really bad for your body. And my daughter and me, we were loaded with these. Let's see. So we so so we get down to that clinic and we find out. Yeah, okay, we already knew she had Lyme. Now she now we get the report on mold chemicals. So when the when, again when you're breathing in the mold, it crashes your immune system. Seventy percent of your immune system is in your gut lining. So when your gut lining is destroyed, you get something called leaky gut. I have been told before in the very beginning, you know, going back. You know, when my daughter was 12, I had a rheumatologist laugh at that notion that there's such a thing as leaky gut. That's been scientifically proven. So for those of you who are thinking, what in the world is leaky gut? Picture a brick wall, okay? And there's mortar in between the bricks. When you're breathing in mold, it's it's very, very destructive and it'll chisel away at that mortar until you get a hole in the mortar. So now you've got undigested proteins and all these other things going through into the bloodstream that are not supposed to be there. So now you're creating an environment that's very anaerobic, okay? And your blood cells are beginning to stick together. We have had multiple live blood analysis done and showing how we're improving. That's the good news, okay? Because all this ends in a good fairy tale story, not a nightmare, a great, great story. Let's see. So, but, but just know that when your body's full of toxins and even when you're detoxing, if you're not doing the right things to be able to move those toxins out and restore the body's ability to use water, oxygen, and eliminate the waste, Your red blood cells lose the negative charge, then they begin sticking together. And your body, I mean, the way God designed our bodies, it is absolutely amazing because your your that blood serum uh, pH level, and actually, I think I have this right, it's supposed to be between 7.35 and 7.45. It's in a very narrow range. So your kidneys, you know, you're supposed to be drinking lots and lots of water, keep that body hydrated, keep it flushing out. So as your kidneys are working overtime, trying to move those toxins out and your liver is doing this, well, the same, trying to pick up toxins in the blood, clean the blood out. Um, if you're so loaded with toxins, like my daughter and I were, uh, your, your red blood cells are stuck together. You're not able to move the toxins. So your body will do anything it has to do to be, to, uh, keep that pH level in a narrow, narrow range. So one of the things it does is it, is it steals basically the iron out of your red blood cells. This is why my daughter repeatedly on labs, it would show up that she was low in iron. But here's the good news. If you're taking the right nutritional 
intracellular, and I'm going to be talking about this here in a second in greater detail, but the intracellular nutrition literally restores what where everything's supposed to be and then th that iron will come back into the red blood cells and under a microscope you will go from your cells looking like donuts okay or, or cheerios that looks like a little round thing with a hole in the middle that's indicative of low iron and five to ten minutes later really five minutes later you can see under a microscope after the proper nutrition the red blood cells have poofed up basically and they look like beautiful little plums okay and so then your body's able to use the water use the oxygen and eliminate these toxins from the body so when you're in a state of rouleau that's when those red blood cells are all stuck together you can't move toxins and that's when disease begins to happen does it happen overnight nope because your body's an amazing machine it'll do all sorts of things to keep you alive however you know there are 86,000 chemicals that have been invented since I think it's the 1930s 80 and that's just in America 86,000 chemicals you know if you're chewing uh, that um, you know sugar-free gum most of those sugar-free gums have a chemical in it that's really really bad for your brain and and the list goes on i re, i think the other important thing to know is uh that that in the umbilical cords of uh, obviously in utero there are over like 200 chemicals that are being found in the umbilical cords and when babies are born they cannot detox i've been told down at the clinic that that uh, that the liver does not begin detoxing until about 13 years old so if you've been taking your daughter into the mall to that store that sells lotions, you know, they're like 80 different, you know, flavors of these lotions or scents of the lotions. Well, those lotions are full of chemicals. So that so our babies are, you know, we're putting chemicals on the babies with the wrong kind of lotions instead of using God's gift of essential oils and all that. We're loading these babies up with chemicals from in utero and on forward. We don't understand about live blood analysis. The doctors have not been trained in this area. In fact, their microscopes have been taken from them in most states by state law. The doctor's not allowed to have a microscope and actually diagnose from that. You know, I'm 55 and I remember my little country doctor years ago, he had a microscope. And I'm not saying doctors don't have microscopes. I'm just letting you know, they're not sitting there pricking your finger anymore and looking at your live blood under the microscope. And they need to be. And I would say the vast majority of doctors, the information that I've gone over with you in, in this whole you know hour, most doctors are unaware of the damage that mold can do to the body. Our medical system is now owned by Big Pharma. Uh, the Big Pharma industry has their representatives on the medical school boards and they give big donations and all that. This all started back in the, I think it was the 1930s. And from then we've grown into a very, very sick society. We've moved away from God's way of healing because life of the flesh is in the blood remember and we we've now turned we've morphed into this country of big pharma so as i look back and i see and i remember that my all, the only thing that my rheumatoid arthritis doctor did 
was he just kept writing prescriptions for methotrexate and Embrel. I would give myself a shot of Embrel every week that, you know, it suppresses my immune system, just like methotrexate. High enough doses of methotrexate, by the way, are, is chemotherapy, you know, and high enough doses of methotrexate is an abortifacient, you know, causes an abortion. I was in the eighth month down at the clinic and I was so distraught that my daughter, she had made improvements, but she was still so very sick. And this just looked like it was going to go on forever. And one morning about 2 a.m., I woke up. I felt like I had been awakened by something. I didn't quite understand, but I knew immediately I was supposed to be praying. So I prayed for my daughter. I prayed for the doctor and I prayed for those patients who many of them had been sitting in those lazy boy chairs for months, hooked up to an IV uh, with a port in their chest or a pick line in their arm. And I'm just, I could see their faces and I'm praying for them and I'm crying and I'm, I'm, I'm weeping and I'm, I'm mad at God. I, I'm, I'm calling out to the Lord, asking him or almost like demanding, heal my daughter, heal these people, help the doctor speed up the healing. The next morning, like six, seven, well, probably eight hours later, I receive a phone call from a good friend of mine in Virginia. And she says, Terry, I, I, I've recently met a nutritional biochemist and he has something, he has a couple different products that I think will speed up your daughter's healing. And, and she said, would you like to be on a private three-way conference call this morning? So how could I say no? Because that was exactly what I had prayed for. I'm going to be doing an interview with this nutritional biochemist. So be on the lookout, you know, for that show. It's very, very important that you listen to him because he, what, what he's done, it's, it's going to be, it's going to create a paradigm shift on our healthcare system. He's providing an, the, a way for the body to be able to heal itself. I can with 100% confidence say my daughter is now being healed. Most of those symptoms that I've been explaining to you, they're gone. And I have not had to have a shot of methotrexate and Enbrel for over one year. Now, am I totally healed? Absolutely not. Because I can tell you now, I am still detoxing, but I am moving these toxins out of my body in the ways that's absolutely necessary. And so that's why you know, I'm making this show because I never want anybody to go through the journey that my daughter and, and my whole family's been on. So what I'm going to ask you to do, it's just a couple different things. Number one, share this show. Share this. When this comes out on podcast, please share it. Also, connect with me on Twitter. I'm T Beatley, like my first initial T Beatley. Connect with me on Twitter. I'm also out on Facebook. Remember, I mentioned the book. Go on to America Out Loud Bookstore. It's an amazing array of books, but I'm going to ask you, buy my book. What if we've been wrong? Uh, it's very important because we want to restore a culture of life. That means ending the abortion industry, and it also means restoring good health to people, both physically and emotionally. Please buy that book. The other thing is I want you to visit this website. Go to www vni for victory nutrition international vni.life forward slash 
your blood cells. All right, so that's vni.life forward slash yourbloodcells.com. And then stay tuned in for the Trump Chronicle coming right up. Thank you. God bless you. And let's continue to rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths so that more people can experience abundant life. God bless you.